believe stories change the world. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of thy testimony. Your testimony is worth sharing because it has power. The Overcome Today podcast aims to inspire and empower you to stand tall, shine in confidence because you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You can overcome today. Hello, Overcomers. How are you guys doing? Gosh, can you believe it's December already? Like really, 2020 has really flown by despite it being a tough year. To be very honest, or is it just me? Perhaps. I don't know. Let me know. What do you think? Has the year flown by or is it just stalling? For me, I feel it's like really flown by. Um, And considering the fact that we've been indoors (laughs) most of the year. So yeah, anyway, I hope you're all keeping well. Happy new month. For the first time in a very long time, I'm actually very excited about the Christmas season. Like literally. Like, I, I, I really don't know. To the point I've put up a Christmas tree, I've decorated. Paka, my husband is like, chick, you weren't like this before. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just feeling um just a sense of hope in some weird way. Um, And I really do hope the same for you too. Um, It's episode 48. Wow, guys. I have two more episodes to reach 50. I would have already reached 50. The plan was, okay, listen, the plan was for me to finish um, this season until episode 50 before December so that I can completely log off in December. But um, yeah, things happened. But oh well, uh, we still carry on. I still intend to finish um, the two remaining episodes before the end of the year. That's my plan. Because I'm that kind of person that it would just kill me if I'm just thinking, oh my God, I can't leave a cliffhanger where I'm moving into episode 49 in January. Oh, that would just be so strange for me. Uh, But that's just me. So today's episode is a bit... A bit, um, how do I call it? It's a bit of a struggle for me. And why I say that is because um, it's an episode that I had wanted to do even actually two weeks ago. Um, but I took my time with it a bit. First of all, to get the right person to comment on it. But at the same time, it was something that was really heavy on my heart. And I was a bag of emotions that I did not want to do just record an episode out of frustration and to vent and not have a clear path or a way forward. And so this episode is in relation to what's been happening in the news of late. And this is for my Kenyan brothers and sisters. Um, So the news of late have been, um, which happened maybe a week or two weeks ago, is that young people are being found um, in houses or in situations first it started with six missing girls and the country went into a panic because these girls were teenagers 16 year old and they went missing and it was said that they were lured into a casting call sort of thing to sort of um 
what is it called? Audition uh, for a TV or something thing. I can't remember. I don't really have the facts right. But they were found later. But the interesting thing is that they they wondered what the fuss was all about. Because they said they they were just tired of the pandemic and they were bored. And they had gone to have fun. And so what happened is these girls were engaged uh, in... They were called and fed and housed in this house where they were alleged to be drinking and participating in funny, almost pornographic videos. Um, And so it's just been, um, it's really weighed heavy on my heart and especially since I'm a mom. And then like just two days after that, um, 44 children, and I call them children because they were between the ages of 14 and 17, were found in Mountain View Estate and those lots of alcohol bottles and used condoms. Yeah, and this really worried me. Um, I do not have teenagers yet. I have two children, a son and a daughter, and I know they'll reach that stage. And I just had to engage a family counselor or a therapist, uh, somebody who has um, experience dealing with family issues who can sort of help us understand um, what teenagers, first of all, what is going on in their minds, number one. And number two is, are we supposed to engage in a blame game? Because, I mean, Twitter was ablaze with lots of blame game. People were either blaming the parents, others were blaming the adults who were um, taking, I mean, not I can't even call it taking care, but these adults who... Um, pull, roped these teenagers in and knew what they were engaged in. Others were blaming society. Others were blaming the church. Like it was just a mess. So should we really be engaging in a blame game? Anywho, before I go on and on, because trust me, I'm, yeah, you can tell, like my, I'm all up in my feelings. Um, I spoke to Pastor Marion Thor, who is an amazing family therapist. She has a PhD and she she both counsels um, and at the same time is also teaching. And yeah, I just needed to figure out from her um, where, like, yeah, you know, like give me some answers of some sort so that by the time my children get to this age, um, I have some answers. And this is not necessarily for you if you're a parent. So don't pause right yet and say, this is not for me. But this is just even for society in general. You may not be a parent, but you may know a young person, whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend's child, whether it's a friend. Um, This is all for us to be able to understand how we can collectively come together. Um, and take care of our young people. So listen in. All right, thank you so much, Pastor Marion, for making time <laughs> to be on my podcast to uh, sort of get a professional's point of view, um, and especially from a Christian angle. Thank you so much. Um, so in terms of the issues that have been going on. And um, as I mentioned, is that our teenagers or young people, uh, there's there's just been so much on the news regarding um, the 
extent of um, either sexual immorality or um, drinking, illicit drinking. Um, and of course, this is something that uh, perhaps has been happening, but of course, these are things that are, a few come to the light. Um, so I was just trying to think, should we, is, is this a time to really engage in a blame game? Uh, literally like pointing fingers at who is responsible? Uh, that's a very interesting question. Yeah. Uh, because the, the natural thing is to engage in a blame game. Mm. So my first answer is no, it is not constructive. It will not be helpful for us mm. to engage in a blame game. Mm. But also I feel there needs to be a yes because yeah. uh, it's not actually supposed to be a blame game, but a soul such. I guess mm. to say we need to ask ourselves, when did the rain start beating us? Mm. Uh, and, and that is not a, a question of blaming. It is a question of soul searching. It is mm. a question of asking, how did we get here as a society? Mm. Who is it that needs to hold some level of responsibility for the things we are seeing in our society? And in my view, we have three categories of people who need to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. Number one is the teenager themselves. They have a task to protect and to govern their own lives. You know, I see life like, um, you know, especially when you're talking about uh, children and adolescents, I look at it from a place of looking at a hen that actually mm -hmm. has been laying on, 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 on its chip, on its, on its eggs and needs them hatched. Yeah? There is the responsibility of the hen, which is the parent. Yeah? Mm -hmm. There is the responsibility of the chick itself because you have to break free from the shell. There's no one who will need to interfere with you because if that happens, then you will not arch well. Yeah. But also there is the owner who provides an environment. And that talks about the society, the legal framework, you know, and the social framework that needs to provide an environment for the hen to, you know, uh, lay good and healthy eggs and an opportunity for uh, the hen to be able to brood on them and then you know, for the, for, the, for the chick to actually arch itself. So the three of us, the parent, the teenager, and the society have a responsibility. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. the teenager is blind. They don't know where they are going. They don't know the world they are being arched to is harsh and they will need to fed for themselves. They are from a different generation from you and I and every other parent the parents have their own growth tasks and their own challenges, especially during this season. No one ever took anyone to class to teach them how to be teenagers mm -hmm. uh, and how to parent teenagers. And therefore they have gaps, parenting gaps. They themselves didn't experience love. They have life stresses, mm -hmm. yeah? But the society also has become a society with very low morality. Mm -hmm. uh, that has focused so much on achievement. In fact, it's so much on achievement and pleasure from an hedonistic perspective 
the Instagram society where we want to have a beautiful picture of happiness. Mm -hmm. And happiness has become the goal of life, not morality. Mm -hmm. The capitalistic society, somebody somewhere, Carol, was earning money from those teenagers mm -hmm. without thinking of how they are destroying them. It was earning them an income in the liquor, in the peddling of sex, it was earning somebody some income mm -hmm. at the expense of a future of a teenager. There's a sense of lawlessness, yeah. you know. Were there people around that watched this home be converted into a, almost a brothel and mm -hmm. did nothing about it? The broken systems that we have, mm -hmm. broken law enforcement, irresponsible adults, who engage children in undespeakable engagements mm -hmm. while they are earning something from it. And I want to apologize on behalf of this terrible society mm -hmm. that we adults are not taking responsibility mm -hmm. of realizing that the future of our nation depends on the kind of teenagers that we are bringing up. Exactly, the yeah. future of our churches, the people who mm -hmm. will lead our churches, the lecturers and professors like me who will provide uh, education guidance and morality to the next generation are already being broken under our watch. I want to apologize for that. Yeah, and I, I like how you've mentioned, I mean, or how you've used the analogy of a hen because as you said, um, these are young people who are also of course going through a stage in their life that um, they also don't understand. And parents, as you said, there's no manual. And um, thinking also back into my teenage years or my adolescent years, the, it was a very interesting transition because you are, of course, facing peer pressure, you're focusing. I mean, you have all these things of your, your image is starting to, you start to get, take notice of your image as well. Um, but what are the practical ways um, we can help our young people and you mentioned society, it's a three, it's everything, the, the, the young person themselves, the parent and society. Um, but how can we play a role in helping them make responsible decisions, um, knowing that even in this transition, they can still make responsible decisions? Uh, I think we are experiencing uh, a situation in our lives where Parenting teenagers is a challenge and we have that script throughout. Mm. Uh, every person, I have children and, you know, we all talk about what will be of, you know, Ethan or hope when they are teenagers. Mm. And I think our mindset as a society first needs to move from a negativity to a place of seeing this as a transition period. Mm. You don't live at a stage when you're going to the coast. <laughs> <laughs> and you're yeah. in a bus. You don't live at Mutito and day your boy. Mm -hmm. It is a stage. You can find so much fun at Mutito and eat all the meat you want to eat, but it is a stage. And therefore, we can look at it from a place of being positive. But also, we can understand who a teenager is and their needs, mm -hmm. because that's all you need. If you understand who I am and what I need, then you are on the way to helping me. And I want to describe four things that actually describe who a teenager is. Who am I? What is my purpose? So that's the task of, you know, developing and building an adolescent. Whether I am a society, I am in the society 
uh, docket or I am the parent or I am a teenager is to know I am transitioning. And transitions in psychology, we say they cause a lot of conflict in families because the family need to readjust itself to the new roles of the emerging individual. Mm -hmm. And therefore, understanding who this individual is and what their task is important. So this is a child with a almost looking like adult body who needs mm -hmm. guidance and direction to be able to transition into a full adult emotionally, sexually, spiritually, psychologically, and all other ways. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, the profile of this teenager is in these four ways. One, they are egocentric. They are so focused on themselves. Life is about them. And when decisions are not being made that favor them, it becomes a conflict that you're not, my parent does not love me. So when I don't buy the phone or when I you know, take away the phone because you're not sleeping, I look like I'm the worst person and that you hate me. Mm -hmm. And therefore they turn to uh, self-harm and self and projection of anger towards self because then we are also an African society that does not you know, encourage uh, 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 expressing emotion. So mm -hmm. the person will not express emotion outward, but they will put, push the emotion inward mm -hmm. and therefore lead to certain things. Number two is that an adolescent has what we call a personal feeble. They believe that they are very special and unique. It's like they are omnipotent. It's like they're so in, uh, uh, valuable that the experiences other people will experience will not affect them. In mm -hmm. fact, you tell them you're engaging in illicit sex. You're going to be pregnant. They say, me, pregnant, how? <laughs> they don't see themselves mm -hmm. how consequences can affect them because they feel they are unique. In fact, they feel that they are immune to tragic consequences mm -hmm. of wrong choices when it comes to morality. That we call a personal feeble. Uh, they, they have an idea that, you know, this one can't happen to me. It can happen mm -hmm. to everybody else can be an addict, but me, me, I can't. <laughs> The third thing of that profile is that they have what we call an imaginary audience. They imagine that people are watching them. They believe that people are preoccupied in looking at them. Unfortunately, <laughs> Carol, there are some kids in that forum who are excited to be on the news mm. because, hey, the world is looking at me. Mm. Look at me. So they are preoccupied by how they look and what they do because they feel they are on a stage and they are the main actors and the whole world is their audience. Mm. But the fourth thing which I find to be a very good resource is that they have at a stage of moral decision-making which is called formal operational stage. Mm. At this particular stage, they are able to analyze concepts and they are able to know abstract and hold on to abstract thinking. Mm. That is why they are able to handle chemistry, the more concept. They are able to know the inertia in physics. Mm. They are able to dissect an animal because they have an ability to read in their minds and understand concepts without looking at them. Unlike children who don't know that 
when I say I am your mother, uh, and my mother says I'm her daughter, we are talking about the same person. Mm. That's a child. They can't converse that, that you can actually play the same two roles as one person. But an adolescent understands that. And therefore, mm -hmm. they have an ability to analyze a situation, to reason, to argue logically. They can connect consequences as mm -hmm. a result of violation of moral and ethical rules. Mm -hmm. They are emotionally unstable and they will dishonor any voice that challenges them, but they have an ability to actually look deep to the moral theories and moral concepts and be able to connect mm. responsibility with consequences. Mm. But choices have consequences and I am responsible for what I do. And therefore for me, that's a privilege. That's an, a privilege and that's the first thing. Understand mm. who you're dealing with. Understand that they are capable. They are not children. They are capable of making personal choices. Mm. And after we understand, then we need to equip them. We need to equip them mm. to be their own custodians of their security. Once in a while, we've taught around of, you know, teaching our children how, you know, stranger danger. Mm. And you tell them, what would you do if you are in a situation where? But can we translate that? The same things we taught them as children. Can mm. we grow them with a bit more of freedom and choice, but a bit more of uh understanding of the know-how, you know, let mm. them have a toolbox in their head of knowing how do I enter Carol in a, in a party and I know mm. this, this is not safe. Mm. Okay, I need to look at, is there an adult here? What values is this adult holding to? And mm. one big test, if, if my parents would not approve of this adult, then I know I'm in danger. Mm. Yeah, if my parents would not approve, if we are not hearing the same concerns that a parent, a genuine parent have, has from mm. an adult, you need to know you're in trouble. So equip them. Mm. But then we also need to accept them. Mm. To accept this stage is a stage, as you said, of curiosity. I'm curious, really. If I drink, what will happen to me? Yeah. Untamed curiosity can be very destructive. Mm. I want my kids to know how to paint, but I need to be present so that they don't eat the paintbrush and the paint. <laughs> yeah. I need to teach them how to use scissors and a knife, but I need to be present mm. to be able to say, hey, uh, you know, and that calls for the other thing. Accept them, but be present because a lot mm. of us who are not present are not present. We don't know what they are doing in their rooms. Uh, by the time you're being, a child is being lured on phone, do you even know what happens? Mm. And, and there is such a big back and forth over, okay, should they have a phone? Should they not have a phone? I think for me, the greatest thing is how can we give them these things with boundaries and with responsibility, mm. but also with supervision? Because mm. you can't have people that you're leading that you're not supervising. Yeah there must be a sense of supervision. And finally, we must model. We must model mm. values. Mm. I never forget the image of a girl who was, you know, presented on, 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 on national TV some, some, I think last year or so. Mm -hmm. And she was so drunk and her voice was, 
what makes me not drink while the auntie I live with drinks mm-hmm. herself say. Yeah? Yeah, I remember that. it was that. in Sheng. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. in Sheng. Why shouldn't I do that if my auntie does that and she seems so happy? Mm-hmm. So what are we modeling? Are we modeling the same thing or are we modeling something different? And mm-hmm. I think we are modeling contradiction. Because in the morning, when there was no COVID, we used to go to church. Yeah. In the evening, we go to those joints with these children mm-hmm. in the social environment. And we are drinking and enjoying ourselves with one another. You may have come as a family, but not everyone there who has come as a family. Mm-hmm. So they can see what other adults are doing and imagine it is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And with the curiosity, with the person of feeble, with egocentrism mm. and imaginary audience, that child is prone to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pastor Marion, as we're just looking at the rest of my questions, you've really answered. It's, it's literally the, the practical ways that we can um, support our young people or the teenagers um, to really make responsible decisions. And you've given the roles of how um, parents and even society, because even the things you've shared are not necessarily, of course, the behavior burden lies on the parents yeah. in terms of modeling and equipping because they are the first point of contact. And that's what God has also called us to. Yes. Um, but also as a society at the same time, um, if I have a niece, because some of my listeners are young yes. and perhaps they don't have children of their own, but if you have a niece or a cousin who's under your care or you're constantly connecting with, um, what are you um, enabling them to do or how are you supporting them or being present yeah. or modeling? So I, you've clearly <laughs> really expounded it in such a brilliant way because I think it's, it's that section where, especially for young parents um, like myself who has a very young child, uh, children, sorry, two children yeah. who are young, yeah but I know they will reach that stage. Yeah. And I'm always like, you know, I think because we've always seen teenagehood or adolescence as this crazy season that, oh my God, I will not be able to control my children. Yeah. But you've put it so well um, that even as we move into that transition, when that time comes, how are you being able to be present? And just and, and, and like another finally- thing, Carol, Another thing yeah. I think that, that I need to say mm-hmm. uh, is that, we at this space we have realized that we had given the school a big role in our yeah. lives. Mm. The school was the caretaker. Mm. The school was the friend. Mm. The school was the counselor. Yeah. The school was the parent. The school was the structure giver. But mm-hmm. right now, that has been taken away from us. And I think the reason I've interrupted is just to say, I think one of the greatest things a parent needs to do, even for you and I with little children, mm-hmm. our, our, our eldest is turning 10 in January, and we are seeing preteen, you know, uh, tenders coming up. And one of the things that we are discovering is that you must create a structure mm-hmm. over how the family works. Mm. So that when somebody wakes up, they know what they are supposed to do. Mm. When you remove structure from a person who had been highly structured, Mm. you create chaos. True. You create chaos because Mm. now they have woken up 
they have so much time and mm. zero responsibility. Yeah. And in this season, in my professional counseling, I've had so much mm. around family drama uh, that even has resulted to releasing the nannies because mm. there are so many adults that are seated somewhere doing nothing and therefore mm. their minds are cooking up something that needs to be done and therefore the need for structure mm. uh, the need for structure even to help an adolescent know mm. your mind is young you need nine to ten hours of sleep mm. the phone world is a for a world that was going to give you aspects of insomnia in mm. addition to expose you to situations that may prey you into distress so mm. it's important to create structure create both entertainment and mm. studies create an opportunity. I know a friend who, when their kids would get to teenagers and because mm -hmm. they are pastors and authors, they would say, we are writing on something and mm -hmm. give the teenager a book and say, I need a summary of this. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? They are using the powerful uh, profile of mm -hmm. a child who has the formal operational yeah. and engaging that so that mm -hmm. it becomes helpful for them. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I like that. Yes, it's true. We had sort of um, relied on, uh, sorry, the teachers or the school to yeah. manage our children or to take care of them. And now I think this year has really taught parents, um, and especially if they are those who have taken in those lessons about being present and creating structures, as you said. Um, yeah, but thank you so much, Pastor Marian. You know, I really don't, I feel like you have really brought out what the essence of what I was really looking for. And um, it really has brought out what, how we can help our young people. Um, because we were once there also, we perhaps maybe some of us did not go to the extremes of what's happening now. And of course, generations are all different. Um, but I truly, truly appreciate the time and your wisdom. Wow. Let me tell you, I had like a whole list of questions for Pastor Marion and she literally answered them all. Literally <laughs> answered them all. Um, in just those two questions that I asked. Um, but thank you so much, Pastor Marion, for your time and for your wisdom. Like, gosh, she just has so much knowledge and wisdom. And it was really good to hear that because I feel like I'm now a bit more prepared. Now, not fully prepared, of course, um, but trust me, I think even the parents would know that parenting does not come with a manual. But my prayer, and this is a prayer that I make for my children as well, that that I raise them up and I always ask God to help me to raise them in the right way, in his word, in his truth, in his values. And that when they even grow up and are faced in similar situations or in certain situations, because I cannot hold them back um, entirely or shield them from so much, they will interact with friends. They will interact um, with classmates who perhaps um, have negative um, influence on them, that they will be able to stop and realize and be able to make a wise decision if they were to ever find themselves in weird situations. So I, I think this is not just a problem just for parents. Of course, we have the core um, responsibility, but I think it's also um, 
the everyone's responsibility. If you see something amiss, um, speak up. If I find my neighbor is housing like a bunch of teenagers and they're drunk and engaged, you know, like how can I call authorities and report it? Um, yeah, so it's just everyone being everybody's keeper. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I really do not have um, a concrete answer to all this, uh, but just may God help us all. All right, guys, until next time, bless.